This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Halloween is around the corner. The countdown is on. Two weeks till Halloween, so it's time to get into the spirit of spooky season. As a result, let's bring in Amy Amanti for a review of the Netflix film, Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dave. So, Mr. Harrigan's Phone, it's an American teen horror drama that was released on Netflix. What's it about? Well, uh, this is kind of apropos considering, well, one, Halloween is right around the corner. But two, you have a question about iPhones, well, about smartphones today. (laughs) So uh, this kind of aligns nicely. So this is, of course, a Netflix film. Uh, Mr. Harrington's phone, Harrington's phone is um, about a young boy named Craig. And Craig befriends a much older billionaire within his small community. I know, right? Like, how often do we get to do that? So um, uh, they become really good friends. He he's a uh, uh, goes over weekly and reads books because uh, this uh, gent is quite a, a literary collector. Anyways, um, in the process of that, they become really good friends. Um, but as the gentleman gets older and the young boy grows into a teenager, the teenager introduces him to an iPhone to sort of open his world. And uh, unfortunately, he passes away. And it's not a spoiler; it's part of the show. When uh, when Craig is grieving, he starts uh, texting the phone that he left in the breast pocket uh, within the cat the casket, right? And all of a sudden, the text messages are returned. Oh, oh, oh my, oh my. Okay, all right. Consider me uh, adequately creeped out already. I can already <laughs> tell I'm probably not going to watch this. Um, who's in the cast? Because what's interesting about Stephen King movies this is based on a Stephen King novella. Is sometimes the casts are star studded. And sometimes they're nobodies. So who makes up this cast? Yeah, absolutely. So this is based on like a collection that Stephen King has written called uh, "If It If It Bleeds." If anybody is interested. Um, so uh, who's in the cast? Well, we have playing our billionaire Donald Sutherland. Okay. Big fan. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of Donald Sutherland. Really, really enjoy his work. Uh, but they really made him very old and very chromogeny. Well, he's, um, uh, Donald Sutherland's already pretty so pretty well. old. So yeah, I didn't yeah. have to make him that old. No, but it is it is quite boggling how much older he appears in this particular film. <laughs> um, and then we've got Jaden Martell, who plays our our um, young uh, who plays Craig. Now, Craig, this is what's interesting to me because Craig uh, Jaden was also cast in the recent release, the twenty seventeen release of Stephen King's It, and then recast in the twenty nineteen sequel of It. So he is already. Um, known to Stephen King, who helped um, executive produce this piece. Uh, so the casting seemed like it was very familiar, right? And sometimes we see this, I don't remember this, like in uh, American Horror Story, the, the, the series, mm-hmm. you know, they recast the same folks over and yes. over as different yes. characters. So this kind of feels a little resonant to that. Sometimes you like to work with folks over and over. So I'm going to say those are the two sort of uh, names to watch out for in this particular film. And without giving away too much here, because again, Mm. when it comes to horror movies and thriller movies, sometimes you don't want to be giving away too, too much. 
Did you find there were a couple, uh, let's call them jump scares or shocks or twists and turns that had you on the edge of your seats? You know, I didn't. Um, there is something of a sweet and gentle nature to this film. So you, it doesn't actually appear like a horror movie, just like if we remember, and it, it kind of boggled my mind a little bit years ago when I learned that The Green Mile was mm-hmm. a Stephen King novel. Mm-hmm. But there isn't anything that's truly scary in that particular movie, right? Well, it's just—I don't know when they when they oh, when, when they electric chair the one guy without wetting his without wetting his head and he oh, burns okay. to death in front of the people. That was pretty alarming. Yeah, I know. But when I think about Stephen King, I think about like paranormal stuff or you know dogs that eat you alive. You know that oh, kind of Cujo. thing. Cujo, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Pet Cemetery, Cujo, Carrie, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find that in this particular film. You know, the the stuff that they do with the iPhone kind of gets glossed over pretty quickly and they move on to the next thing. You may have given it away a little bit here in your last answer, Amy, but are you a fan of Stephen King's work or at least the work that tends to get adapted into movies? Because I think people might not understand that he's had over 30 of his novels or 30 of his works turned into movies. Yeah, uh, The Shawshank Redemption, one of my favorite movies. Again, in a trivia game once, I learned that Stephen King wrote The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, what? You know, because if it's a movie like The Langoliers or Cujo or like, it's like, yeah, not really a fan of those kind of cheesy, even it. I just, it was like, yeah, it's not, that didn't really do it for me. But The Green Mile was lovely. And uh, um, uh, The Shawshank Redemption was lovely. And this movie was lovely. So there, it's kind of a different type of work that Stephen King does. A little bit, you know, there's some little bit, um, uh, you can't even really call it a horror genre, right? It's like a horror that you can watch with young kids because it's not scary. Um, but there's a little element of it there. The Shawshank Redemption to this day, one of the best movies ever made. Point like period, Absolutely point agree. finale. It, the, 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 the relationship between Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman oh. as the movie goes along is just a beautiful relationship. But you also just get so many great performances and side characters. It's a beautifully drawn out story. The Shawshank Redemption is just like that. That's an ultimate go-to piece of cinema that's going to stand the test of time, whether it was made in the early 90s and whether it gets played on cable today relentlessly it's the kind of movie that when it gets popped on you're always going to watch it amy 100 agree I, I am also a big fan of a lot of the work that gets turned into uh, movies or uh, tv shows that stephen king has done you mentioned the green mile i was a huge huge fan you mentioned shawshank mm-hmm. redemption i'm a huge huge fan there was one that was made in the mid to late 80s called misery that starred yes. kathy bates and robert duval it is such a powerful and scary movie, but not scary in the sense of, oh, there's a monster in the closet. No, the monster is Kathy Bates. And Kathy Bates turns in one of the best acting performances ever in Misery. It's incredible. Yeah, it absolutely is. This is, this is the, there's a, obviously a power dynamic in that movie, um, which is interesting to us, but it's, it's the, it's the, um, the obsessed fan right? The obsessed fan and the extremes that the obsessed fan, obsessed fan will go to, which for me, I like those kind of humanistic horrors, right? There's no ghosts in the closet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's Skeletons, re- maybe. It's real stuff. <laughs> you know, even, even a movie like Carrie, for example, it's, mm-hmm. it's, there is a supernatural element. Like there's, there's no denying a supernatural element works its way into that movie. But the fact is the story is very human. It's about a young woman who gets bullied. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, coming of age stories too, things like it. I really liked the 2017 uh, It Part One that they made. 
it part two that followed it in 2019 not not quite as good it, kind of, it lost some of the charm <laughs> but i think that's also part of the it story in general because even the tv movie that was made in the 90s the part one was excellent and part two was kind of like no, we don't really need the clown again. Like you already kind of figured it out. So it is it is interesting that that sometimes with Stephen King, it can be very hit or miss. If you go down the list of the over thirty movies that have been turned uh, books that have been turned into movies, you're like, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. That was yeah. a bad one. That was a bad one. Oh, greatest movie of all time. That was a bad one. That was a bad one. That was a bad one. So it can be there can be a lot of hit or miss in the work that Stephen King does, just because he's written so many stories. I know there's such a such a nuance, such a variety to his work that um, I really had pegged him as one type of writer. And then, you know, as I grew um, and was exposed to other movies that that had been adapted from books, I was like, oh, I can't believe this is a Stephen King because I thought I didn't like Stephen yeah. King. Yeah, the, so. there's kind of a sleeper hit in his collection of works from the mid 2000s, a movie called The Mist. It's very, yes. very good, but it is very, very scary. I think if I had to watch that for the first time today, I wouldn't be able to. But back then, Dave was much tougher. The 2006 Dave was a tough young man. Uh, 2022 Dave is uh, aging and terrified of everything. Well, so you're telling me if we were sitting on a couch together watching movie eating popcorns, you'd have to keep your eyes closed, and I'd be the one who's saying it's okay, Dave. Kind of, it's okay, this kind of. Scary. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've become someone who struggles with these things a little bit. I'll sometimes muster up the nerve, but uh, sometimes they stick with me. When I saw the remake of The Evil Dead in 2013, that was pretty much it for me. There was one scene in there that stuck with me for days that I was like, oh, now I can't sleep properly. So yeah, I've, I've, I've become soft in my old age. Uh, Amy, speaking of me keeping my eyes closed and you telling me what's on screen. How was the description in this particular in this particular movie? What a master segue from a uh, experienced broadcaster, Dave. Um, I'll tell you that uh, the so this is the thing about movies in general, not just Stephen King movies, but often there are these sort of visual aesthetics that happen. Uh, that's part of the storytelling. So they're like clips of things that are being shown, and they're going to sh show up later. And these aren't scary things, but like you know, clips of 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 the character. It's just a hand, so you don't know who the character is strumming through you know swiping on an iphone just you know and then then a like clip of like legs running through the forest and then and you're like how am i supposed to put all of these pieces together because you don't it's a visual aesthetic that's part of the film and then they appear later as as a larger piece of the story um but they're so hard to describe because you can't put those within any context because mm -hmm. there's usually some mm -hmm. kind of dialogue or even a, a narration that's happening over top of these. So it's really, I kind of call it visual filler, but it is that it's an aesthetic. And so that was very difficult to, you know, like what, what, why am I being told that somebody's swiping through an iPhone and their legs are running through a forest and how do I put those pieces together? So for me, that was, that was a difficulty to try and wrap my brain around, even though I know that there's this concept that exists. And I think for me, I probably would have appreciated something like in a visual montage, then they tell me what's going on. Then I'm mm, like, oh, okay, this mm. is one of those aesthetic things we've, you know, I don't have to pay that much attention to it. Um, so that's, I mean, that was for me the the sort of the rub about the audio description. Yeah, that's very fair. That's very fair rub. I like that rub. Amy, how would you overall rate the film? How would you overall rate Mr. Harrigan's phone? Oh, I gave it an eight and a half out of 10. I actually quite enjoyed it. I might watch it again. There's the, the sweetness of it with the juxtaposition of this slightly creepiness. Um, I was like, was really, it was really sweet to me. It's like, uh, I don't know. 
what is it that Elf does? Put maple syrup on top of his uh, <laughs> on top of his spaghetti. <laughs> Uh, Amy, I know we're not chatting with you next week for a film review, but on the 31st, are we getting another horror film review or are you moving on? Oh, no. I think we're going to get something that's uh, realistically creepy in a new series that's on Netflix. Oh, are we talking Jeffrey Dahmer? We are indeed. Oh, my gosh. We've got you back on the serial killer beat. Fun times. Uh, Amy, thank you for this. You got it, Dave. (laughs) That's Amy Amanti, a film reviewer for us in Vancouver, also the host of Accessing Art with Amy, which you can find on your favorite podcasting platforms. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.